Hello Philorians! Today, we're looking at Thrill 6, Do You Like Pete? I'm a fucking magician. And magic comes from pain. Trying to tell you, you are not alone here. You love magic. Is it in your soul? Want me to come to Philorians? Really? Send you epic quest. It's just a promise, motherfucker. Hello, Beth. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for this early morning recording. <laughs> uh, just before we start, let's ask, do you have any um, story about illusion? So the story that I was thinking of is when I was a little kid, I was so, so into magic, like mm -hmm. the kind of coin flippy, make the stuff disappear mm -hmm. so I watched a ton of this this one show that was like beyond the illusion like tell you how they do it all <laughs> and I watched it and I would practice and practice and I still cannot do any illusion magic none no <laughs> oh so you were Quentin basically I was Quentin I was <laughs> Quentin <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard, and it's a lot of like and dexterity, from what I understood. Yeah, and I don't really have that, unfortunately. Yeah, mood. <laughs> <laughs> so I look at the, what illusion means because it's the theme of this episode. Uh, so mm -hmm. I went in the dictionary, and it said um, a thing that is likely uh, to be wrongly perceived or interpreted by the senses, mm -hmm. or a false idea or belief. And I think this episode is more with the latter. Yeah. Like they, 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 they tell themselves pretty stories that are not true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't we all do that? Uh, we all kind fair. of tell ourselves small stories that we know yeah. that just make us feel better. Yeah. It's funny because I never really liked this episode, but like rewatching it under that theme, it made me like it kind of. See, this has always been one of my favorites of the season. Really? It, it does. It is because, I don't know, it's just, it just hits a lot of places for me, especially Quentin and the depression monster on the boat. Oh my God. Yeah. That just, I just love the idea of like it being like a presence you can see and like yell at. You see, uh, I think that's why, like, for me, it was hard to watch because, like, I wish it was real. <laughs> oh no! I just kind of like now when I when I feel myself going to dark places, I just I'm like, I am a black belt, so come at me. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like my my rallying cry. Yeah, at one point I was not feeling well, and uh, my husband told me like, "Are you holding to the key? Stop holding the key! I'm gonna take it." And I started oh. to laugh, which like stop my spiral but yeah. um, I think like it was a good I think the the writers know what depression and anxiety is and yeah it well uh, um, but before we start to talk about the the episode and in finer details let's do the 30 second recap okay uh do you want to start do you want me to start um I'll start okay so I'm gonna count you down ready go 
Margot and Elliot's scheme to make sure Margot does not have to fuck a kid. Uh, Quentin deals with a depression monster. Yay, Felicia Day! Oh no, she's kind of a jerk. Oh no, Benedict! We hardly knew ye. Uh, Penny is a fish. And uh, Julia and, Mar- and Alice switch magic. Wow, you managed to say that in 20 seconds. I'm really impressed. <laughs> I may have practiced. Uh, that's fair, yeah. I, my problem is I practice uh, like the, the day before, and then I forget. <laughs> I, I forgot some of the stuff, so I just made it up. Uh, that's fair. I'm like, I'll just, that wasn't how I was going to phrase it, but I'm going to throw it in anyway. <laughs> All right, so I will um, count myself, but you kind of did an amazing job, so uh, let me see what I can do. Okay. Okay. Uh, Go. So uh, we also see Hyman who comments on, on the info ass and it's kind of weird. Um, also, uh, Quentin is on a boat and he's so happy and we see Quelliot after the mosaic and it breaks my heart and we're going to talk about it. And um, yeah, the Stone Queen is weird and the Fairy Queen is weird and oh yeah, they, they, they are growing mushroom and it's kind of creepy. And Margot is like, act and act now, think later. And Elliot is like, what? See, see, you managed to hit like more salient points, like the mushrooms, and I totally forgot until I was like, "Wait, what happened to Mark?" I completely forgot the mushrooms. I had a thing for the for the mushroom eggs, and then I forgot um, it entirely. Did you know that the 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 writer, uh, one of the writer, kept it? No, one of the prop maker kept kept some and put them uh, in his backyard for Easter last year. <laughs> That's amazing. I yeah, know. I want one now. <laughs> So uh, let's start the the the, the episode with the basically how it starts with Alice and Julia. Yeah. Um, who are trying to transfer Julia's power to Alice? Yeah, I see. I like this episode because I feel like we really get to. You don't get to see Julia and Alice just hang out, just the two of them. Yeah a lot and I think this is one of the first times we really get to see that and I just really like their dynamic yeah me too I always wonder what they were as a a student together in the like yeah yeah yeah, that's exactly where my brain goes it's like were they like the ones who were constantly trying to outdo each other kind of rivals or were they like study friends because they knew they were the smartest in any group they were in I think it was a bit of both. One behind them. <laughs> I think uh, it was a bit of both. Like they were driving each other to be better. Yeah. And calling each other if like they were slack, but also like I'm gonna beat you in that test. <laughs> exactly. I'm always surprised that Alice is not knowledge. I know, but I think I think it kind of goes along with Hermione not being in Ravenclaw, despite the fact that she's like smart and very bookish and you would think oh that's Ravenclaw I think it's like who she is as a person not just like yeah there's this theory is definitely knowledge yeah there's this theory about aspirational sorting basically the sorting hat at putting you um where you see you could grow the most and yeah. that's why Hermione was in Gryffindor because she was smart but she needed courage yeah Exactly. And I think I think that might be something why Alice ended up being a physical kid. 
is because, yes, she's smart, so she's already got the, the knowledge and the drive for that, but she needs to actually kind of put things into practicality. Oh, I like that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> now I'm going to think about that the rest of the day. <laughs> Yay, my job here is done. <laughs> but what is funny is that Julia arrived with the box and there's full of junk and Alice is like, what the fuck? And uh, she talks about like a knowledge, uh, a, a hedge spell that she heard that make able to, to take magic from people. Yeah. And Alice like dismiss it just because it's... Um, it's uh, an edge spell, yes. which we learn it's not. Technically, it's fog. It's fog. But, like, the fact that it's edge, she's like, okay, bye. And it's kind of the illusion that, like, breakable magic is better. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely an element of that where because she went to school, therefore she's smarter than the people who did not actually get to go to the school. And there is, there is a slight snobbishness to Alice. Yes. Because but like, like from a magic family, she's always known magic was real. So she does kind of have that slight snobbishness of you guys are like all behind me, clearly. Yeah, but th that's the thing. Like she knows Julia was out of Brick Bill, not by like for not for the real reason. Yeah. So she should respect Julia's knowledge. I know, but mm it's because julia didn't come up with it a hedge some hedge that alice doesn't know came up with it oh it can't be good but then uh, oh no, fog, fog made it then it's like oh no this will actually this will totally work because fog made it which is funny because like fog is like kind of mad at, at, at julia for not um telling him that she has magic but yeah. it's, this is stupid like he has no power over her. Like, he's not his dean, her dean. I know. And, he, and the only reason they know each other, that's because of Quentin. Like, yes. why would I tell you? And, like, I like that she said, like, you're not reliable. Why will I tell you? He is drunk, but he is entirely really reliable. <laughs> it's like, I think a drunk person would say that. Let's not make it true. Yeah. Oh, no, no yeah. I think he's, uh, he's kind of lying to himself. And it's kind of sad to see all the anger he has. Yeah. Because like you say, I'm a black, a blind, unemployed black man in America. Yeah, which Ouch. was actually being kept 38% more tolerant. And I just love that line. Because <laughs> that, that is an exquisite line. That's so perfect. Yeah. I think uh, Foggy is fully aware of his place in society. Yeah. And um, it's like in the regular world, he's going to be looked down upon because he's disabled, because he's black. And, but of course, at break bills, he's the head of everything. He's kind of the highest authority, except now he's a dean without a school. Yeah. Have break bills working the way it used to because they don't have magic. Yeah. And I, what's, what's like kind of bothers me is like Julia, see that he's in pain, so she's going to help him because Julia, that's what she does when she sees people in pain. She tries to help. Mm -hmm. And after she helps him, he tells him how, he tells them what to do. And like, fuck out the solution. Like, from the beginning. Yeah. So like, why not tell her? Because that's just fog. Yeah. And also like, Julia kind of gave him the illusion of help because he needs a recharge. Yeah. 
So she didn't really help him. It was mostly like a temporary release. Yeah. Because uh, it was almost, I feel like almost kind of a bribe as well. Yeah, like, that was the word I was looking I for. You, it's like, look, I'll, I'll give you your magic glasses back for a bit. You tell us what we need and then Alice will come and recharge them. Yeah, and then, well, we know right now she doesn't have enough to cure eyes yet. Yeah. But um, do you think she had more than just a couple of days worth of seeing? I'd say she probably did. And she probably Mm -hmm. did it that it was a couple of days, like, on purpose. Because if this was intended to be a bribe, then... Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, well, you've got it for now. But if you want any more of that, you're going to have to help us so that I can give it to Alice. And then Alice will come and recharge like she does at the end of the episode. Yeah. No, it, the, the word bribe is kind of perfect because yeah. uh, that's what it was. And then they are going to the incubus who is yelling. <laughs> and like, I, I, like, he's like what the uh, uh, Wall Street person looks like. Yeah. But it, Powerless women or men or people, powerless people um, yell when they are out of power. That's a, that, like when a customer yell on an employee, that's yeah. because they don't have the power. Usually it's not because they have the power. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to see him like insult someone and yelling while clearly showing like, okay, but you're giving me the illusion that you have power, but you clearly have none if you're yelling at me. Yeah, I, I just, I just love the way that they reimagined an incubus as a hedge fund manager, as someone who isn't going around uh, sleeping with everybody, but is in fact needs to get their energy. So he's just going to stress them out because I know when I'm stressed, I have no, I have less than no energy. But they, they took the incubus, which is very much generally a a, a sex creature and they got mm-hmm. away and I think that's hilarious and it's funny that like they're unable to say the word penis <laughs> your little friend mm, uh, your big friend I'm sure your friend is perfectly proportional to your body that was I was like I was laughing so hard and coming from Alice it's kind of weird because her house is really kind of too much sex positive yeah like, she's usually a straight shooter about this stuff, but I think because it's, like, this total stranger person. Ah, uh, yeah. It's That's like, uh, uh, don't insult them, don't insult them. Ah, uh, let's not say the actual word, we'll use the euphemisms. And Alice had, uh, and Julia at one point, she's like, okay, whatever, your penis. <laughs> we need your penis. And then but when what? he just starts laughing because he tricked Bog all those years ago. <laughs> I love that so much. It's like, oh my god, it finally worked. It took twenty five years, but the joke worked. Like, and well, girl, are like that. That's that's not funny. That's mm-hmm. what. <laughs> but uh, what I like to, see, uh, and I didn't notice the first time I watched, is uh, you know when you sniff Julia, yeah, and like she kind of backed out. At first, I was like, oh, that's because it's a creep that sniffer. But we have to remember that she has PTSD, from yeah, sexual predation and. How he was acting yeah. was kind of like that, like... Yeah, like a, a guy's getting too close to her that she doesn't trust, and her instinct is just... It's not even like, oh, this is a creep. It's more of a jerking motion, like an instinctive getaway. 
Yeah, and I think that's amazing of Stella to have this subtlety in yeah. Julia's reaction, and she we see it all over the, the the season. I think like she 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 played Julia healing, but still being shook by it really really well. Yeah, I think I think one of the strengths of the magicians is that they do take their continuity seriously. Like if something happens to the characters, that is a big thing that's going to continue to affect them. It's not just going to be like until the end of the episode and then we never think about it again. Like, um, like with Quentin and Elliot who just had this 50 years together and lived a life together. And then the next time we see them together, they're just like absentmindedly like Elliot absentmindedly fixing Quentin's uniform and just the Mm -hmm. way they just like move together and touch each other. And yeah, and like they just hug each other, even if yeah. technically Elliot rejected Quentin. Yeah, which we don't know at this point, but but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, but there's still even with that between them, there's still that comfortable, that kind of old married couple thing of having been together for years and years, where you just like probably not even like consciously doing it, and that's a real like like you were giving credit to Stella, and yeah, we also have to give credit to to Jason and to Hale because they made the choice that they were going to be like super touchy still because they yeah big thing. Yeah. I like to say that um, like each character, I think have a moment where they become their 2.0, like they're, yeah, they can, their evolution. They're, 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 yeah. They're never going to be like they were before. Unless it's when she was, um, and if in uh, um, yeah. when she with Reynard and Quentin and Elliot was a mosaic. Yeah. And like, yeah. that's what's beautiful is uh, a lot of people on Tumblr are showing it. Uh, the little like, oh, they're near each other or they're going to glance at each other or they're going to touch each other at, since like after uh, 305. Yeah. Like, like they, they were, always, they were always pretty close and touchy as friends, but you you see it kind of ramp up. I think there was a yeah, they were like pulling in a bit, like they were not doing it as much because there was like, oh, does he love me? And yeah, there's a familiarity that wasn't there. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go back to them later because oh my god, I have some stuff to say. Oh my god, we, <laughs> I just want to talk about them for forever. Um, but let's go, let's finish with uh, Alice and, and uh, Julia. Uh, I like that we see Penny with them, and Penny yeah. is kind of mad that they don't listen. And, yeah, I mean, uh, he's justified in that. People need to listen to Penny more. But I like what he said. Like, uh, uh, I mentioned you care the most, and he said, like, then why everyone act like I'm not part of their life anymore? Because yeah. they're fucking dead. Like, it's yeah. hard to... Like you don't have he's a physical. Still, he's body. still not quite accepting of that. Like we see him more accepting of it towards the end of the episode. But yeah, he's still like, no, guys, I'm still here. I can still help. And people are like, mm, no, bitch. It's like not really. All you can do is become a fish for a minute. <laughs> but also, what I liked is um, Penny who just asked like uh, real quickly. Oh, uh, oh, he's fog. Like, is he okay? Someone should look after him. Yeah. Penny was always the only one that cared about how Fug is. That was not for a personal reason. Yeah. I think I think Penny he puts up the hard shell, but he really is such an just loving 
and and caring person. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he doesn't want to admit it. Like, he'll admit it for for Katie, but he doesn't want to admit how much he cares because I think to him, especially after he dies and he kind of sees people's reaction, he thinks they don't care as much. Yeah. And so like when you when you think you're in kind of like an uneven relationship like that, you don't want to admit how much you care because you're relatively certain you're going to get a, oh, well, I like you a lot. But it's funny because he, he get the same reaction with when Benedict was my best friend and he's like, what? Like, he has it both ways. And I, I, I never think that people not crying never meant that they were sad. They were just in shock. But mm-hmm. Penny doesn't understand that because he's still himself yeah. in shock. Like, holy fuck, I like, just died. Yeah, like Quentin says, like, sometimes people just have weird emotional reactions to things. Yeah, that reaction was just... It was the best. <laughs> I mean, so it was so Quentin. It was such a good, such a good. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and I just want to note that um, the first spell that Alice does is um, the horse, which is the yeah. first spell we see her do in the show. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like her comfort spell. Yeah, it's 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 the one that she associates with her brother. So it's something that is is comforting to her. Hmm. And and then she's gonna go charge for glasses, mm-hmm. and like he's like, he says, uh, fixing my glasses won't fix me. Like the like, don't give me the illusion that everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, but it's gonna make things the shitty around. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize for the first time why Alice was so bent on getting magic because she went from a niffin, yeah, to no magic. And that is like being a creature of magic, made of magic. To having yeah is just such a such a flip. Yeah, and I think like she was despising not having as much magic, but yeah. learning what it is not having magic. She's like, okay, a bit of magic is better than none. Yeah. No matter how dangerous it might be for me to acquire this magic. Yeah. And the last thing I had about that is why did Penny was so mean to Julia? Because he complains that people don't care about him. And when she's like, dude, I care, he's like, no, you're not. I don't care about you. And I think what? that I think that does go back to the he thinks that he cares more than other people do. So when she says, No, I do, I care, he's like, Psh, yeah, but like not as much as you don't care as much as I care, so it's not as important. Uh, through his head maybe mm, no that that makes sense that makes sense As, and like the, I also like the illusion that like the transfer they, everyone thinks it worked but in yeah. the end we learn it didn't it's like it worked but with consequences exactly and or I kind of like that having a seizure I, I kind of like that the idea that like your magic is your special magic a bit like your blood you have a type of blood yeah that magic was not meant for was, Alice. Yeah, it was a, it was just a bad transfusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I had about them. Did you have anything else? Uh, for uh, no, not for that part. Okay, so do you want to go with Margot, uh, Margot and Fulmar plot, or Quelliot? Uh, let's go with Margot. Let's let's save the best for last. Okay. <laughs> so, about Margot in this episode. Poor Margot. Oh God. <sighs> she finally thought she might get like a 
cute and sweet and decent guy, you know, now his terrible King Joffrey of a brother has just murdered him. And now she's and, expected to sleep with this child. And um, that's that's funny because, like, Margot, she starts with um, the Stone Queen walking and saying, like, you can trust me. We have this yeah. enemy. Then and she then immediately proves that she can trust her. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, like, what? And when we were talk- talking about, like, the illusion of uh, that is likely uh, to be interpreted, uh, wrongly interpreted, that was that. Yep. Like misleading her to believe, yeah. And then um, uh, Elliot goes to the the fairy queen, and mm-hmm. he's like, "No, I'm not gonna force my best friend to sleep with the underage guy." Like, have you heard of uh, what is it? The former statutory rape. And she's like, nope. "Former is in the statue, and I died." <laughs> it's like, no, that's not. Oh God. No. Uh, but it's the idea of, like, the age of consent is another thing maybe in Fillory. Yeah, the the ideas that we have about consent and all that are not things that Fillory is, like, still 100% behind. Like, Elliot having to marry Fenn, even though he does not actually want to. Mm-hmm. Which I mean is turns out for the better because they all become friends, and as we all know, but yeah, but yeah and then with Margot, they just—I don't know if it's royal magic or all ma- or, or matches or all matches, but like they really don't seem to care too terribly much if people are genuinely in love. Yeah, it's really medieval of them. Yeah. Well, and. Let's remember that uh, Elliot married Fenn thinking he's going to die within the, tw- the, yeah. the next day. So that's why he did it. I don't think he would have done it if it would have. Yeah, if he been. thought that he was, if he'd known that he was going to have to like see this out for a while, he probably would. Yeah. And and uh, I like the, the way Margot, um, to scare uh, Fomar, it was to explain what sex is, but she told all lies of how it works without really lying. Yeah, vaginas, the leading cause of death in men. And I just love how, like, even as she gets through all of it and he doesn't care and the blood and I like blood, do you like teeth? And I love that that's just like a small callback to um, Hale being in the movie Teeth. Yes. A girl with teeth down there. Yep. And he dies because of that, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, I never watched it. I, I just can't. I I can't either, but I've, I've seen some things and I know that Hale is in it. And I'm just like, mm, not even for you, Hale. I love it. Yeah. You can, could I watch that? <laughs> this, this, this movie is part of the top 25 of Netflix movie that people cannot watch till the end. Because it's too weird. Yeah, I believe that. Also, <laughs> my, it's weird I might to- attempt to watch some of it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't see them a lot, I think, Margot and Elliot. Let's see. No, they're kind uh, of more for the subplot. I like that. Uh, I like that uh, then uh, Elliot is like, uh, oh, I know what to do. We're going to have an honeymoon. And, and the fairy queen is like, yeah, okay. But she doesn't expect him to lie at all. And I would think 
Like, I would have. You think that he, she would just expect him to lie all the time? Like, yeah, and she's like, fine, whatever. people under duress. Of course, they're not necessarily always going to be telling you the truth. They don't want you there. You have ruined things. Exactly. And, and, but like, she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I'm like, what? And, and then uh, I think she is getting to a point of a small point of desperation where she needs that marriage consummated. She needs that alliance made. And she's like, Mm. as long as it works, whatever. Yeah. I never understood why she needs the alliance. I don't know that we ever really understand. Okay. Politics. We'll just, we'll just shrug and say Falorian politics. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Elliot will give them a drink to drink. And for more like, oh, the lady has to drink first. And she's like, I don't want to drink. And Elliot is like, you're going to drink, Margot. It's like, trust me. When he gives her that look of like, trust me. And like, knowing that they're mad at each other, the fact that she still drink is a big deal. Yeah. And then, like, he explained what he discovered. And she's like, oh, fuck, I cannot be mad at you now. Damn it. Now we got to <laughs> do things and you're helpful and damn. And she's like, I know I wanted to fight us, fight too, and, like, be the, the old us, but we can't. And I think Amazing that's... Amazing mega bitches. But now yeah. have depth and character. Uh, what is that? Um, <laughs> the the I, face she makes at the words depth oh and character God. is just exquisite. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, in we're, as of now, we saw seven episodes of season five. Yeah. And one, in, in the, one of the episodes, Elliot tell to Margo, like, oh, you've grown mm-hmm. when I was in there. I think at this point, Elliot has grown without Margo because of the mosaic and Margo's not there yet. Yeah. So, like, he was already ready to forgive and, like, not fight and let's just focus on what we need because that's the mature way to think. Yeah. And Margot is like, no, I just want to be petty and fight and be glamorous, but we can't anymore. Yes. We can't oh. be the, the kind of shallow selves we once were. We have to actually, like, do things now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they see the field of mushroom, which is shit ton of mushroom yeah <laughs> and then the mushrooms that are actually fairy embryos that are like what that we how do they lay them do they and then all of a sudden i'm thinking about fairy reproduction for the next two hours and it's like no wait i don't i didn't need this particular brain training but yeah. But do they how how do fairies reproduce if their if their embryos are basically like planted and then they have those mushrooms that come at the top like But that's the thing like we saw that they were terraforming like yeah. the 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 um, uh, the from the episode 1 the fairy queen was asking little things to Margot like she was giving the illusion of random orders and yeah. then we realized, the like, whimsy, oh, the whimsy. Exactly. Oh, no, that was terraforming because she asked, like, for a type of worm and then to plant a, a type of mushroom. So I think, like, yeah. there's that's like part of the reproduction. Now, how do they? Uh, let's shrug and say magic. Yeah. <laughs> Not the way to do it. Just shrug and say magic. Nah. Um, and then. Uh, 
I like that the mushroom that that moved were <laughs> in a fairy ring. Yeah. Like it was in the round that we call fairy ring. And then yeah. they were like, uh, uh, and Margot's like, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm, like they're so not sure, and it's kind well, of gross. Like, for don't. She's she's just like, no, nah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna touch it. Yeah. I'm gonna touch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they both like. I feel that's their like past self showing a bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the I'm gonna do the thing. Should we do the thing? I'm. I don't care. I'm already doing the thing. Well, Margot is all act now. Think later. Yes. Which uh, we can see. Kidnapping. But that see, I'm surprised that she used the kidnapping and like, the idea of using a child as leverage because she did that with Fen and it backfire. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she thinks that maybe she obviously she regrets using Fen as leverage. So now she's like, well, I'm going to make up for it by making it so that they have to use their kids as leverage. Oh. So some, maybe she's like trying to make up for it by doing what they did to mm-hmm. Ben. Being and like, well, now I've got your children. And as at the moment we think like phrase their kid, I never believed that she was, but I never expected the kid to be dead. Yeah. So at the moment we think the baby's alive, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time for Quentin and Elliot yes. and Quentin and Poppy. Um, I like the idea that, uh, like you were saying that like Elliot is, um, like the Elliot and Quentin are showing their bond, but it starts with Elliot saying, what if I say no to the fairy queen? Yeah. Cause I don't think Elliot pre mosaic would have tried to say no. Yeah. I, they've just. Like I said, one of the strengths of the magicians is their the way they like keep the continuity of the characters, and you just get to see how much this life that they live together in the alternate timeline, but that they still remember, affected them. Like you see, even Quentin, he's like from from this episode, from after the mosaic, you see him kind of growing up. You see him less shaky than he was kind of steadier oh yeah he's way more confident like there's something in them that's more grounded because they've lived a life already like yeah already lived to become old men yeah and that kind of that puts your life into perspective and i think like it also like oh we've been through much worse they, they're looking at the, the quest and where they have to go. And Q didn't even doubt that Elliot will join him on the quest. Yeah. And Elliot to go on the quest. He's, are, he's saying we. Yeah. and He's still I, instinctively saying we. Exactly. And El refusing, I think, shattered the illusion that things going to be like the mosaic. Yeah. yeah. And now knowing that Elliot just refused their love together, quit yeah. apologizing just oh, man. my heart. Oh, rewatching that after after having seen season four that we get of, of Quentin kind of being putting his heart out there and Elliot being too scared to accept. And then just going back and watching that scene that we think of as like kind of direct, not directly after, but shortly after. Yeah. It's like, oh, my heart. Yeah, like it hurts. It does. And But also the fact that like, 
Elliot refuse Quentin and, and they still cuddle because yeah. they cannot let yeah. them. I mean, I'm sure they had, I'm sure they had moments of, of I'm mad at you. I'm going to be mad at you, but I still going to be near you. Yeah. I mean, that's what a long term couple is. Yeah. Everything's not always rainbow and, and flowers. And, and I feel like, I feel like one of the things where when Ellie, it's like, uh, you can't go with me, but take Benedict, you know, go be life partners with someone else for a little bit. It's like, ouch, that hurts. That hurts so much more now. And like uh, this choice of word was, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, but then even after he says that, like, he's, he then immediately follows it up with, you could do the thing on the prow of the boat you've always wanted to do. And it's like, Quentin doesn't even seem to remember it. He probably told Elliot this sometime in the first like few years of the mosaic, and Elliot remembered. And and then we see him on the prowl of the boat, and you're like, oh, Quentin. <laughs> okay, that is my that is probably one of my top favorite happy Quentin moments. Is him is that little montage of him just being on the boat. He's just so happy and adorable when he's like playing with the sword and then like looks off screen, like someone's telling him not to. And he's like, Oh, sorry. But sorry. Yeah. It's just, but I just love that little montage. Me too. And then it goes to uh, him saying to Benedict, uh, being on a mission is a hell of an antidepression. Yeah. Like, Which will become away- important later. Yeah. But also he's away from Elliot and he's totally lying to himself saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, like, being on a mission what? makes makes me not think about what I, why I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is so much fun and so great. And yes, it would be greater with Elliot, but but I'm having a fantastic time. And like when you say that, they just enter the abyss and like mm-hmm. everything becomes dark. And I like the symbolism of like, yeah, no, no, no fan. Like it, it's not okay. And it's not an antidepression. And you're like... Yeah, it's like will serve you soon. The moments that make you happy don't mean that you don't that you don't have to worry about your depression. Exactly, and that's for you. that the abyss is coming for you. Exactly, and a lot of people like I remember my first depression. I was nineteen, and a friend that I had, and I stopped being a friend after she told me that. But she was like, "You can be in depression. You're laughing and smiling." Oh yeah, that that idea that depression always manifests itself is just like great sadness that you outwardly show is such it's it's such a wrong one and such a damaging one. Yeah, and I think like more and more having artists losing their life because of that. I'm thinking yeah. of Robin Williams here, who oh, always yeah. was like the happiest man on earth and yeah, like, he was always he was always there to like make everyone laugh and make everyone happy probably because he didn't feel that in himself. So he was like, well maybe I can use these other people's happiness as a substitute for my own. Mm-hmm. And I just oh man, that that was one that really got to me because I have adored him my whole life. I don't know anyone who hasn't. And that he still could be that depressed is just you almost can't believe it it's like but you are but you're such a light in people's lives mm-hmm. and that's what when poppy say like no you're gonna be fine you're happy and he's yeah, like no exactly. that's not me that's he's, not me 
Yeah, she needs someone who who doesn't have uh, a history of mental illness. So when she gets the depression key, she's just like, oh, well, I can beat it. So if you guys can't beat it, obviously you're weak. You're not trying hard enough. You're you're going to be fine. You're so smiley all the time. It's She's basically like the personification of all those people who downplay and and don't really believe you about how terrible depression really is and how much. Mm-hmm. And also, that's something that I've never um, noticed before, but how much Poppy has power move over Quentin from the beginning. Yeah. Um, the first thing she does is she undresses in front of me, him. Yeah. She's just and like, I don't even care. I'll just take off my pants. And he's the one to turn away and be like, oh, hello. I'm not going to look at this. Yeah, but it's like totally a power move of saying like, you are not even bothering me, you know? Yeah. And like she had the illusion of being nice when we know that technically there's a double of herself like yeah. insulting her. And maybe that power move was more for herself than for Quentin. Yeah. But then she's trying to make, like she gives him the key and she's trying so hard to make him touch the key. And I didn't notice how much she tries. Yeah. And she's like, you can see her kind of plying him more and more, like more and more drinking, more and more drinking because she's going what she did, if she can't get him to take it willingly, she's going to just get him drunk and just put it in his hand. Yeah. Get rid of it. Exactly. But then the, Quentin decided to keep the key and not having people like um, uh, exchanging it. Was it a good idea knowing I his th- tendencies? I think once she told him that like a lot of people instantly on kind mm-hmm. of we will later see with Benedict, like it works pretty much instantly to get them to that really, really dark suicidal place. Once she mentioned that he was like, well, now there's no way that I can do it because as he says, he's come up against these um, depression of uh, the suicidal thoughts. He's come up against that before. So he thinks He's got the coping mechanisms to keep them at bay. And he doesn't know that the uh, Benedict and the other Florians are going to have those. They don't really have mental health things in, in Fillory. Yeah. And, but is that, that a brave choice? Maybe a kind of self-sacrificing in the way that he, tend- he is. I think it's a brave choice of him to be like, no, I'm going to keep it. And I'm just going to bear this all myself. Yeah. But it makes it reminds me of two things, two other uh, story that we can think of, uh, which is the first is uh, the Lord of the Ring, with mm-hmm. Frodo being the sole bearer of the ring, and at the end it corrupts him. Yeah, and, and it's like a if Sam to carry him. Yeah, and like, but he doesn't have Sam right now. He has Poppy. Yeah, who's an asshole. I really hate Poppy in the movie. In the movie, in yeah. the show, I think he has. And the story, and I, the episode, the story would all be hugely different if Elliot had gone on the thing with him. But the closest thing he has is Benedict. Oh my God, you're so right. We've only ever seen kind of like being maps, 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 ah, da 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 da. But then when he reveals to Quentin that he's had those kind of thoughts too, that he, even though he doesn't have the language for it, that he suffers from depression. Um, which I just. Oh, man. Benedict. Write an essay yeah. about Benedict. <laughs> but 
But what I like though is when uh, after like Quentin speak speak up to himself and say like, "Come to me, I'm gonna beat you." Depression. Yeah. You see, Poppy that is worried, kind of feel guilty. Yeah. I think she like did this because she needed to get rid of it, and on that like we cannot blame her. The way she did it was not okay. Yeah. But like, um, but I think like she kind of regretted. Oh, maybe he was not the person I thought he was. Yeah, exactly. It's like once she sees him like talking to the depression monster and being like, "I have come up against you before. I've got a black belt." realizes oh he's not just the happy dude who's on the boat and like let's go drink and woo he he is someone who has struggled with that so I do think there's an element of regret and even later on she does she is like hey do you want me to take it for a little bit just to like give you some relief yeah in his continuing self-sacrificing noble hero vein is like no I'm- but that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing that the second story made me think is Harry Potter and with the Orcrux. Yeah. How um, it affected differently. Like, it really affected Ron way more than Harry and Hermione. Yeah. And I think, like, their idea of, of, of switching was good, but they should have noticed that one is more affected. Yeah. And say, maybe you shouldn't have it. I mean, Poppy had it for all that time, and she's still here to be kind of first. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like, I really liked Poppy in the book, but like Poppy yeah. is like it's a different much. character. Yeah, from the books to the um, TV show, they very much do kind of change up Poppy to to fit a more kind of almost antagonistic role. Mm, you're right. Like she's not she's not like the big bad, but she's kind of like for a little bit there, she's kind of like the Draco Malfoy. The comes in and does something terrible and then we got to deal with it, but that goes away fairly quickly. Like she's gone by the end of the episode. She isn't like an overarching terrible. She's just kind of like she says, she's a person of questionable ethics and she's a deeply selfish person. She is very proud for herself. And she doesn't, I don't think, think about her actions until later when she actually sees how they affect Quentin. Yeah, and that's something that I liked about um, how they show depression is Quentin tried to have coping mechanism. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. And trying to, you know, run me. Exercise and eat. You need to go for a run. You just need to eat healthy. You just need to do this that and the depression will go away and like obviously that's not how it works and we see exactly that. like it helps but it doesn't work yeah and and the way like jason so beautifully portrays when he's hearing basically when he's just like lying on the bed and it's just like his def- mm. and he's hearing all these things it's like look what happened to julia look what happened to alice you know, look what's happened to your friends, like all these terrible things. It's all because of you. It's all because you did this. Like they just followed you and you don't care. You just want to be a hero and all this stuff that you know has been something that's played in his head over and over. And to like, as the audience, we actually get to hear it basically. And just, oh man, that is, that was, that hit something in me. That hit something there. Yeah. 
But the, the, we were talking about how the the magician is good with continuity. Yeah, I'm really surprised Evil Q never talked about Elliot or Ariel or Rupert. I think, I think after the the rejection that he gets, he he also kind of like does the thing that that Penny does, where he's like, "Oh, I cared more than you cared, so I'm not going to you know bring it up because obviously this is something that was deeply important to me, but clearly it wasn't as important to you." And, you know, the only other person he tells about his life there is his father. Mm. He's built into caring about what's going on with him. And I like the monster, the the, the depression monster does say uh, that it starts from the out and go from within. And maybe it was still in in deep in him, like deeper than what he said about Julia. Yeah, it's something that you kind of... You kind of push down. You're like, okay, this is never going to happen. So I'm just going to pretend that it's not like something I desperately, desperately want. Mm. Mm. Oh, and then Benedict <laughs> saved Quentin, and he's like, oh, it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna help you. And that's the oh, kind of way. Yeah, that's the kind of way I think um, people that don't feel good can still help. Yeah, you kind of, there's, I, I remember reading a post on Tumblr that like really spoke to me where it's like, if you're, if you, you're mentally ill and you have problems, but you see a friend who's got even deeper problems, you are going to overcome yours in order to help them. And mm. I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. That's exactly how I am. And I yep. think that Benedict is very much being like he's not he's not like super shown to be a very heroic character and a very noble guy except in this episode which again just chef's kiss on benedict in this episode but he's like you know what sire i can help i will do this for you you it's like you asked me to tie you to the mast and never let you go so i'm going to listen to what you said but i'm going to take care of this for you and he does for a minute <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then it does not go well. But that's the thing that the dragon is waiting for Quentin to jump and then Benedict. And I, I think yeah. the dragon let Poppy steal the thing. And yeah, not, I, no I agree with that. And I was thinking yeah. about that too. It's like she stole it from a dragon's horde. Dragons are not super known for like letting you get away with that. And yeah, she's like, well, they were mating. So they were like all horny and weren't paying attention. But... That dragon was lying in wait. That dragon knows that people are going to be jumping off boats and like killing themselves. And that dragon's just sitting there being like, just waiting for you, buddy. Just waiting. I'm hungry. Someone yeah. I think like it waits for the person to jump and then get the key and put it back. Yeah. But but this, this time like the person jump like directly in the mouth which mean directly which is another thing that i did have a bit of a question about it's like okay they hold the key and then they get crazy depressed and they kill themselves how has no one ever jumped while holding the key before like does someone take it away from them but they're still so depressed they do it anyway but you don't have to hold the key to be depressed it's just someone else you just have to be the last one to have held it yeah so maybe like the key was just elsewhere but this yeah. time it's just because Benedict just touched it. And then they 
And then it's like, but then that becomes another thing. Like if, if the person who's the last one to hold, to hold the key offs themselves and no one else touches the key, would it affect anyone else? Like if they just like left it on like a table or in a box or something mm-hmm. and the person who had it and ends up, you know, killing themselves because of the depression key. If no one else touched the key, would they like, would it jump into someone's hand or would they no? Because uh, after, after when they pick it up back up, like they make sure never to touch it with their hand. Yeah, we never we never see the depression it's cluster. Not like a, if you're holding it, it's a skin on skin thing. Like if you hold it with your bare hand, that's when it's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. So why didn't after they saw what was happening, they just kind of close it up, and then if that person who was the last one to take it off themselves, it shouldn't affect anyone else as long as they don't actually touch it. Yeah. So, because they needed the story of Poppy's the only survivor, I think. Yeah, it's just like Poppy say that she's a person of questionable ethic, but at this point, I think she's a murderer. Oh yeah, like she, like the first few were just they weren't exactly sure what was happening and how badly it was going to affect people, and then she was just like, you know what? We're going to keep passing it around, even though I've seen you guys haven't been able to deal with it. And we're going to keep passing it around. And then it turns out she's the only one strong enough. Mm -hmm. They were weak. She was the one strong enough to hold it. I'm like, oh, I have. I really do think they used Poppy as kind of like the manifestation of people who don't really understand depression trying to tell you how to deal with depression. Or, and people who, or people who have repressed depression and refuse yeah. to acknowledge it. Yeah, they just, like like Benedict, he's like, you know what your parents tell you about emotions? Just bury them and bury them and focus on something else, like maps. Yep. That's probably why he's so amazing at maps and everything, because if that's the thing that kind of becomes your focus whenever your emotions get too high, then you're going to spend a lot of time dealing with that because emotions get crazy all the time because brain, yeah. I don't know. But like, I, I'm all for coping mechanism, but it shouldn't be a crutch. Yeah. Should it be like, okay, that's my only life now. Yeah, this one thing is the only thing I'm ever going to do to deal with it. Yeah. That's, you know, I think partly ultimately why Benedict is so affected so quickly is because he'd spent his life not dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So pushing it down and pushing it down. So when the depression key brings it all to the surface, it affects him very quickly. Whereas Quentin, who we've seen dealt with in varying levels of success, but has dealt with this stuff his whole life, he's able to hold on longer because he does have coping mechanisms that he can go to and try to kind of keep it at bay, whereas Benedict doesn't have those, so it affects him instantly. I really, really like that. That you're, you're, you're totally right. That's, that's what ends up happening because he, like Benedict, just don't know. Yeah. How to handle it, like. And he, and the thing that really gets me is he's like, he comes and he's like, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I failed you, Cyrus. But he didn't. He did exactly what Quentin asked him to do. He stopped Poppy. 
but he, yeah, he, he should not have done because, oh no, but he still, he still did what Quentin asked. He didn't fail. He succeeded, but he's still thinking of it as a failure. Yeah. Especially that like, I, he saved Quentin's life. He did at the expense of his own, but he saves Quentin's life, but he doesn't see yeah. it that way. Yeah. And it's, it kind of, yeah, it harkens back to what you were saying before about how sometimes people don't really like see the effect that they're having on other people. That doesn't help them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could write an essay about Benedict and maybe I will someday. I just, he is such a interesting and great character and, and played so beautifully by Harvey. Yeah. Perfectly. And the fact that he's a Pickwick, I think, changed I a lot. Because I think it's it was like all the Pickwick has our power hungry, but Benedict never was. No. And I think that's why he had a lot of pressure and Yeah, exactly. It's like he probably spent a lot of time being like, You're not as ambitious as your cousin. You should be more ambitious. Exactly. But I just want to get really good at maps. And I like, really like maps, there might come exactly. And when we see like how even three hundred years after the Pickwick are still the same, yeah. Benedict was a black sheep in the family. Yeah, and in a good way. Best of them, but still, <laughs> is the best of them. Uh, that's what I had about the show. Is that do you have more notes? Um, no, I think we, we got pretty thorough into that. We spent more time talking about it than the, actually the episode runs. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, I, love, I love analysis like this. It um, deeper. Exactly. That, honestly, that's what I like about this show. It makes me love how much, how much the writer and the prop making and the actors are, are putting, making the show even more, even better than I already thought it was. Yeah. Like you were like, saying, when like you go back and you rewatch. You're like, oh my god, they they did that even better than it was when it was great the first time around. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. why it's like my my favorite currently running show and one of my top three shows of like all time. I just I just shoot so much. It's so good, and it deals with problems that not a lot know how to deal. Yeah, that that shows will like try to deal with but stumble with or whether they'll deal with it really well for an episode and then we never think about that again whereas like we were saying magicians has that kind of like characterization continuity yeah that's what that's what it's interesting is like oh julia still have ptsd and it's season five well, she, would. she went through something super traumatic of course exactly. yes um, katie's still struggling with erin addiction yeah it's like it, it lets the characters grow, but not just like at the end of the episode, they grow and then they kind of revert back to where they are for next time. Like you that like is the sort of thing you'd see in like sitcoms and stuff. They actually get to grow and deal with their shit. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't remember like is swearing allowed. <laughs> Yeah, you can cut that if it's not. No, it's totally allowed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I talk with a. Uh, um, and another guest, and I think it's be the penny. It's the uh, where yeah. the magician is really monster of the week, but it's like magical problem of the week. <laughs> yes, but problem of the week. Yeah, exactly. But instead of like you say, like usually monster of the week, like they solve the monster and then they go back to status quo of the beginning. 
Yeah. Here they solve the, the the magic, but it has an impact on them. Yeah, it has consequences. Magic has consequences, which is like one of the the first things we learn, and that's something they don't just drop after a really cool, you know, pithy quote. Like, no, magic does have consequences, and it affects yep. people in different ways. Yep. <sighs> So now it's time for Lectio Divina, um, which is a practice to read deeper into a a sacred text. We're using the script of the show to do it. So there are four steps. The first is to read what literally is and say what is is literally happening. Second is the story, what it makes you think of. Third, what it does remind you in your life. And fourth, what do you feel called for? And I um, scrolled randomly, and this is what I got. Okay. It smells like the fairy realm. Uh, it smells like the fairy realm. So first step, uh, what is literally happening? Do you know? Um, so obviously, because they've been around the fairies so much, they probably have some sort of distinctive smell. And when they get to the place where, like, all the babies are and like all of them are kind of congregating. It's like, yeah, this smells like the fairy realm. Like, yeah, um, I know what this is. Margot is, uh, is, uh, is uh, realizing that they're going, they're terraforming, but it's because Margot went to the fairy realm. That's yeah. why. That's yeah. why. Like, so she knows the smell of the fairy realm and it's like, it's not it's like, like the they're fairy bringing realm. that here. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that hot and moist and, um, and everything. So uh, what uh, the second step is allegory. What does it remind you of? A story. Uh, yeah. Um, no. It's a hard one. This is, I knew this is going to be the hard part. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, in, in the podcast, you don't... I didn't know what line it was going to be. In the podcast, you don't know the, like, sometimes five minutes we take yeah. of, like, thinking in between. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, for... For the allegory of it, I think, uh, I mean, Margot, more than anyone, is kind of connected to the fairies and all that happens with them because she's kind of the one who who lets them in, mm-hmm. who makes the deal. She's the one who lets them in. So I think for her to be like, smells like the fairy realm that has to be almost a a wake-up call when she realizes that they're terraforming Mm -hmm. Uh uh-oh that was a different place it should not be like that here yeah it's like that is not good that is i screwed up even bigger than i already thought i screwed up yeah the the story it reminds me is, um, have you read Percy Jackson? I have not. It's pretty good, but uh, you'll have to take it as like, the first book are for kiddish, and then it grows up. It's a bit like Harry Potter. Yeah. But demigods smell different from monster, and that's how monster can track them. Okay. And it yeah. reminds me that this idea, like, oh, it smells like demigods. It's like... Yeah. Like... like yeah, like you have a, a specific smell, and I can know what and who you are by that smell. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it remind you in your life? Step um, 
I don't know. It kind of, they say that like smell is one of the, the strongest things that help you remember. Mm-hmm. So when I've been away from home, because I now live away from home, because I only go there like once a year. And when I get to go there, like the second I step into the place where I grew up and spent my entire childhood, it's like it's, I step in there and it kind of harkens back to it. It still smells like it did in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea that, I don't know, that places are always going to, like that's, that scent of places is always going to kind of like bring you back to it and smell being like one of the strongest things that helps memory. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, my grandma is diseased now, but when I make her soup, mm-hmm. that's like, it brings me back to her. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. You remember smelling that soup when she would make it for you. Exactly. And it brings like all the emotion that's come with it. And I think um, if you manage to cap, like, encapsulate what the smell of your home is and bring it with you, that's going to be, that's still going to be the smell of your home. Yeah. Wherever you smell it. Mm hmm. And uh, what does it make you, uh, what do you feel called for? For me, honestly, it's to light more scented candle. <laughs> I used to love, 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 love putting candles. But I, I had a roommate that had a severe perfume allergy. Yeah. So I had to stop all of it. And it kind of like stopped being in my routine. But yeah. I like the idea of like entering a room and it smells like fresh pine or it smells like yeah. cinnamon. I, I strangely... Like, I like scented candles. I just don't light them. I'll like open them and be like, that's good enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't usually light them. But like, I, I have um, certain like the last little dregs of like a lotion or perfume that I remember putting on before I went to my first dance. Or I remember that I um, got this from a special place when I was like, hanging out with someone who maybe I don't get to hang out with much anymore. And so, yeah, so, yeah. Keeping those smell near you. Yeah, keeping keeping them near me and, like, every once in a while kind of going to them and being like, I remember the circumstances that led me to the first time I got to smell the smell. Oh, I like that. I didn't expect to go there with this electricity, you know, and I, that's what I like the practice is uh, yeah. never go it where we're going. Although it doesn't really <laughs> call upon my like improv training because it's like, oh, uh, I could practice the 30 seconds. I could not, because <laughs> I didn't know what line it was going to be and I couldn't come up with something for every line. Well, that, that's what I liked about uh, about Lectio Divina is we never know. Like sometimes Seth and I literally spend like, 10 minutes not talking and being like, uh, uh let me think about uh, that. Uh, exactly. And then we look, uh, we, we cut it and we look really profound in the podcast, but <laughs> you didn't hear that. There were no theme. edits made here, people. We really came up with this in the time that it says we did. <laughs> we struggled with it, but we got there in the end. Um, and fan 
finally, what we have to do is the vase and the flower, which is an expression my grandma uh, used to tell me that I thought it was a real expression and apparently it's not, <laughs> uh, which is uh, you don't give the vase and the flower at the same time, which is you don't give a back-ended compliment. Like, you're cute for a girl. Yeah. You know, so you don't give the vase and the flower at the same time. Uh, so we give a, 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 a flower to a, a character that did well and a, a vase to a character that didn't do so well in this episode. I so think the obvious yours. didn't do so well is going to be Poppy because mm-hmm. I love Felicia Day. I love Felicia Day to the moon and back. I've met her a few times. She is fantastic. She made me severely dislike her by how well she plays, how Poppy is terrible. Yeah. Like, Poppy's just such a inherently, like, selfish person. It almost kind of harkens back to when we first, like, meet other characters who, like, have that kind of selfishness in them where it only matters what happens for me. And even Quentin later on with the depression monster, it's it's calling him selfish because, like, it doesn't matter what happened to your friends. It only matters that you get to be the hero. And Which so is not true. Poppy but- is in being kind of like this paragraph of, of selfishness and of that kind of person who's like, no, you're happy. Depression can't possibly affect you that badly. So mm-hmm. definitely the bad one in, in this particular. The good one, this was when I kind of bounced back and forth so many times. It's like who of all of them in a, in a very, I think, well done episode gets, gets the kudos and I kind of want to give it to Benedict. I want to give it oh. to how well he he plays Benedict, who is this kind of minor character. Like, why when Elliot's like, I'm not going to go on the quest with you, take someone else. Why is Benedict the one that comes to mind? Oh, I like that. And we see, like, we see he's very eager to please. He very much, you know, wants to be as helpful as he can to Quentin. And again... Like I was saying before, when he does get the key, it affects him so instantly. And you just see him being this kind of like sweet, trying, and then this sympathetic, no, sire, I understand how you feel. Get away from the edge. Get away from the edge. Yeah. All the way into that last depression before he throws himself off the boat is just, it's a testament to Harvey's amazing, amazing skills. Yeah, like hashtag uh, Benedict deserves better. Yeah. Um, I'm hesitating for the vase between two, and I think I'm gonna go with um, um, depression monster Q to get the vase. Okay. Because yeah. what he said to Quentin was not real. No, it was not true. He didn't get Julia assaulted. She can make her own decision. Thank you very much. Yeah. But that's what depression does. It lies to you. It's like you are the source of all terrible things in this world. Exactly. And and I have my own depression monster that does that to me. And I wish I could throw it away in the face. So I'm going to throw it in the, in Quentin's uh, evil Evil Quentin's face instead. And yeah. um, next time be like, I've come up against you before and I won every time. I'm still here. I got a black belt. Come at me. Come at me. Except and don't gonna, come at me because I don't like it when you do that. <laughs> I'm gonna give my um my uh flower to oh, that's a good question. Who am I giving to? Right? It's I a th- solid episode. A lot of people. <sighs> 
fantastic. I think I'm going to give it to, um, I have a blank with the name, my God, Elliot. Elliot, okay. Uh, for wanting to go with Quentin in the boat quest, but knowing he can't. Yeah. I think uh, season one, Elliot will have gone in the boat. Yeah, he would have he would have dropped his responsibilities with Margot and the kingdom and would have just been, yeah. yay, a thing I can do that's like not as heavy as the other stuff I have to do. And I'm with Quentin. And instead, he's like, I wish, but duty calls. Yeah. And shows um, his growth. Yeah. And, and I think uh, it's it was a sacrifice that he did for mm-hmm. the greater good. And uh, we don't give prop enough Elliot for that. And yeah. you go, Elliot. You go. <laughs> Is there anything you would like to plug before we leave uh, where people can find you? Do you have any project we can find you at? Um. You can always find me at Trekkie Pirate pretty much anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah. I came up with the name Trekkie Pirate when I was like 14, and it's just stuck with me for the last 17 years. So if it's Trekkie Pirate, it's probably me because I'm a big old nerd. Um, I'm an actor, so I wish I had some projects to plug, but I kind of don't right now. <laughs> But yeah, well, if, you, if, if you do before the record, guys, I'm really nice and easy to talk to, I think, at least. Yes. Um, yes. You're one of the first person I reached to get in the podcast, in fact. Yay. <laughs> well, the reason I decided to do it is because I knew it was you and I adore you. <laughs> well, it was really, really, really fun to, uh, to talk with you. I wish we had more time, but I think uh, we should stop writing essays on people because... <laughs> That's where I'm going to write my essay about Benedict. Oh, that's good. That's good. Let's write our essay there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I will, uh, I will uh, let you go. Thank you again for uh, joining me. Yep. It was a great time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been Philorian United. Thank you for listening and thank you so much, Beth, for this amazing talk. All of the info to follow her and the podcast are in the show notes. If you want to support the show, we are now accepting $3 donation in Ko-fi. Go to Ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash Philorians with an S. And now the secret at the end of the episode. Did you know that the person who voiced the dragon is none other than Sarah Gamble herself? <laughs>